Come and take it. All right, everybody at bamboozle.boston. This is our first uh, uh, prelude, I guess, to a um, to a podcast. It's a very special podcast. So my buddy Justin Pacey and I, we went out to Michigan to go for uh, a, a very special hunt with Ted Nugent and the rest of his guys. Unbelievable. Um, so we did a podcast. We brought the machine out, and it happened so fast, we didn't get a chance to do any uh, clary, clarifying information. So uh, Mike Grady was unfortunately not with us because he didn't. He didn't come hunting, um, but uh, we were in Jackson Town Township of uh, Michigan, and um, what, a, what an experience, Justin! What did you What you think? Mind blowing, mind blowing, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a couple days later now, and just kind of processing everything that we did. Sean and I just kind of went over a whole timeline of the events while we were there, and it's. It, I, I don't even know what to say. It was nuts. We couldn't, we couldn't figure out what day was what. But it was uh, Sunrise Safaris, and that's uh, Ted Nugent's safari. That's that property. He's had that for, I think he said, like 30 years. That's one since, of his original since pieces. Ni- 1972, 72. I think he bought it. Yeah. That's significant. That's yeah. a, those are good. That's crazy, right? And then I think he's bought, you know, as it's become available, more land. Picked up some more stuff. Yeah, around it, right? Sure. Exactly. sure. Some of that free range area. Yep. Yep. Um, so it was, the, it was you, I, and one other guy, Michael, uh, his he says his name in the podcast. Forgive me, Michael, for not remembering your name. But uh, ex ex Navy guy, yeah. great great guy, uh, huge music fan. All those uh, all the albums that he had. I mean, some of the stuff he had was just really really good. So he was really special for yeah. us to have a real music fan with us and for Ted as well. So. Yeah, he he had like autographed Pink Floyd, The Wall, autographed uh, Led Zeppelin. Um, Night at the Opera Queen. Night at the Opera Queen, but like the whole band had signed these records that he had. So just crazy stuff. Yeah, insane, crazy. insane. So he was cool. So uh, the guys, you know, everybody that helped at the at the farm or the uh, safari um, was, uh, of course, Toby, uh, Ted's son, George, Paul, Jim, and uh, Jim's wife Jess. She was a sweetheart. Yep. We had her out for a little bit. Yep, yep. Um, Nicest guys on the planet. Oh, greatest guys. They <laughs> like, were they were fantastic. Yeah, they they were basically the same as us just they live in michigan <laughs> yeah we miss jermaine though she yes. she had split and she went uh, she took off but we uh we were able to hang out with happy coco and sadie yep which we, was great yep. i gotta love the puppies uh we got to uh take a good look at uh ted's hellcat demon which is basically the focus of this new album uh you know uh, D- detroit muscle i believe it is yeah detroit what, muscle yeah dude and then, we, well, we'll talk about well, yeah. the, the day that we listen to the tracks. I mean, the track, they're unbelievable. Awesome, awesome tracks. My favorite is the uh, Feedback Grind Fire. Feedback Grind <laughs> Fire. That's my favorite one. <laughs> yeah, the record is really, really good. So uh, that Ted was nice enough to let us uh, listen to that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and it's, it, it's like, not that I was, I'm surprised at how good it is, but I was surprised at how good it was. You know, I mean, it just really, I mean, it's, it's, it's current sounding, you know, a, a lot of the rock stuff is just so in your face. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like the, 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 the come and come, come and get it. Yeah. Riff is like, who, who you know, is this guy? And yeah, his great. band, um, Jason Hartless, and the Greg, drummer and, and Greg, yep. uh, the bass player. I mean, talk about monster, monster musicians, like un, unbelievable. Jason Hartless, I believe is 25 years old. <laughs> is he really? Yeah. Like, how do you play that? Dude, good? He just, he's just got it. He's, no, got, he's it. got it. Yeah, he's yeah, amazing. Okay. Amazing. That's, that's awesome. Um, <clears throat> so we, we drove out. We did, but we, our Buffalo, New York was our in between point. So we want to thank um, Ryan and Ashry. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Right, Ashry. Yeah, yeah. And Moose. Moose was great. Yep. Yeah, yeah. um, and then we, what, we, well, had, we, we got were, Wings at the Anchor Bar, Gabriel's Gate. Yep. And then we ended up at sidelines for the Patriots game that I think was, it was on Sunday on, on the, the way, way back yep yep and we met Stephen Hawk remember he was yep. the um the five times Grammy trumpet player yeah nine nine nominations five Crazy. Grammys yeah I mean but I mean just what, a, what an awesome trip <laughs> um so we got there Thursday uh we immediately got out in our stands and um I don't know what I've been telling people is if you if you would have take our the our individual times and make them one linear timeline we weren't in the tree stand for 15 minutes no no i mean it, i had time i got in my stand i clipped my safety harness on the, the hook on the tree i i knocked an arrow hung my bow on the stand i uh took my phone out and called my girlfriend and whispered that i was in the stand right and i'll call you back <laughs> and then i put my phone on the other stand next to me 
where Ted's cameraman um, typically sits. And then I pulled my mask over my face, and I heard crunch, 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 crunch. And, and monster here, show here comes Buckzilla. Buckzilla. <laughs> so he, he, he looked right at me, walked around for a second. I thought he was going to walk away, and then he turned back. He came within 15 yards, and, uh, and it was a see you later, Charlie. It was a see you later, Charlie. We got a freezer full of venison, <laughs> dude. Right? <laughs> so yeah, we. Uh, I got my deer uh, same time, but we uh, brought them in. Ted cleaned our deers, yeah. deer, deers, deer, yeah. and that was. Uh, I think that was fantastic. <laughs> I learned a new sawzall trick. Yep. You know, anybody's eating dinner, you know, just figure out where that one goes. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, was, right? that was great. Um, and then we uh, we took a ride back to the bunkhouse with Ted and his uh, side by side. Yeah, so th- so the bunkhouse is about uh, a mile behind Ted's actual house, and there's a trail system, um, you know, that, that's you know easy, you know, to get there. But we're, we're driving, <laughs> and all of a sudden Ted slams on the brakes, and we see these two eyes in the woods, and he's like, "You see that?" He said, yeah. And he goes, that's a, a possum. He's like, those those are like rats. The rats of the swamp, I think he said. And he had a suppressed twenty two with yep. a banana clip. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that pretty much ended that. Yep, and yep, then yep, we yep. carried on <clears throat> to uh, have dinner at the uh, the bunkhouse. Yeah, which was great. And then we then we crashed. And then Friday, you and I, were, we, we were tagged out at that point. So yep. Mike still had to go out and get his deer. Yep. He was up at the crack of ass. Him and Paul went out. They got him set up. And... Uh, then I think George came in to start breakfast, start and breakfast, we yeah. rolled out of bed like a couple of teenagers. And uh, <laughs> and uh, George was like, "Yep, Mike's got his deer. Fantastic. We yep. were ready to go." Ted came by. We had breakfast. Then we zipped out. We uh, cleaned Mike's deer. Um, that was the. Well, then what did we do? We took went for a boat ride with Jim, right? Yeah, we went for a boat ride, and then we did um, a photo shoot with all of our deer together and with you know the three hunters and ted um and then the taxidermy guy was coming that day as well yes so yeah george um uh one of ted's um guides nicest guy ever he took us out on ted's pontoon boat up around ted's private pond and just a beautiful, beautiful property, like unbelievable. Awesome. And that was uh, well, that was Jim. Jim took us out in the morning. Did he? Oh, Jim took that, us out in the yeah, morning, that was and then Jim. George took us out. I'm sorry. And then uh, we, we yeah. went out later with George, and we actually George. fished. Yeah, and I and I My caught bad. the fish. Yeah, yeah. Sean fish. caught fish. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, let's see, taxidermy, and then you know what was really cool, and it was when Ted he shared the record with us. That was wonderful. We got first-hand ear, ears on, on the record. So, so it, 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 The coolest part of listening to that record with Ted was that it was like one of us was sharing yeah. our new band's record yes. with you know each other because it was like we got in his truck, which had a killer, killer uh, sound system in it, <clears throat> and he just started going through the tracks, and it was like he was on his phone, Downloading emails right from the mastering from the mastering, mastering place. house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here it is. Yeah, but it, it was it was. I mean, we could really relate to that because that's something that you and I would do. Yeah. you know, sharing you know new music with each other. But he was so excited to share that with us, and yeah. I mean. Uh, he was he was like a like a fifteen year old kid, literally, so happy to share and and excited about the music. And then I mean, obviously, we were excited because it just sounded so good. So. Yeah, and then you know it, it, the, the intimate part of it really was that he told us what his inspiration was for some of the songs. Like one of them was written for his brother that had passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, but his songwriting process is one of the most intriguing things. Very bizarre. Yeah. Which he, is amazing because it works so well. Yeah, you know? but he said that he doesn't like sit down to write songs. He just sits down and a riff comes out and then words come out and he doesn't write it down and yep. then he goes in the studio and records it and that's what you're listening to. Well, that's in the... Because this isn't actually the part of the podcast. The podcast is going to start in a minute. Yeah. But Ted talks about that amongst right. a million other amazing things. Right, exactly. Yep. Which uh, is... Uh, I can't wait for this podcast to start. So let's wrap this up so we can get it going. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, taxidermy. So Saturday was the most amazing day of my life. Yeah. So we got up. <clears throat> we Ted had, came for breakfast. Ted came for breakfast. And he says, oh, I got a podcast thing or something I got to do. Um, why don't you guys come to the barn after? And the barn, of course, is where 
all the toys, the touring gear, the recording studio. Um, all his hunting skulls, all, all the ammo, the guns. Yeah, the campfire uh, uh, throne yeah. is there, yep. which is great, where he broadcasts from, which is amazing. So he played guitar for us for a little while. <clears throat> and his tone, I just couldn't believe his tone. It was just, guitar tone is unbelievable. Uh, guitar tone was unbelievable, but the fact that we were sitting there in front of this legend mm-hmm. on the guitar after we you know, had already hunted, like... I wasn't even thinking about the fact that we were there to hunt at this point. Oh, hunting was over at that point. Yeah, it was, it was a like, full-on concert. Yeah, but it was <laughs> like he he like went through the gamut of his catalog, like mm-hmm. in his signature solos, and it was just literally the most mind-blowing thing I've ever seen in my life. And I I remember at one point, I don't remember what he was playing, but I looked over and Sean, you had tears. Oh, I was pouring I was down like your a baby. Face. I just couldn't believe what where I no, was. And no, I, I know hearing. me either. So then, like, it was kind of like a reality check for me because I had goosebumps all over me. And then I looked at Michael, the other hunter, and he looked at me, and he had tears coming down his mm-hmm. face. So then I'm like, obviously, naturally, I'm like, okay, it's okay to do this now. <laughs> so <laughs> now I had tears coming down my face, but but by the time we had, you know. He had finished jamming, you know, his stuff, and he said, "Guys, go get your gear. We'll come in. We'll we'll jam. We'll jam a song." So we, the, the, you know, all of his amazing staff helped us load our, our you know, minimal gear that we brought in. Um, I, I had rented a, a, a mini drum kit from the Music Mill in Manchester. Um, ding. Yep. Ding. Pete Busiak, thank you very much, brother. Peter. Um, but, yes, yeah, so we, we get set up and Ted fucking turned it up a notch on the amp and he's, here Dude. we go, full send. Stranglehold. Well, he he was he was doing a single amplifier when he was just he was just doing hit, hit by himself. Yeah. The, then we went and set up, and he looked at it, he goes, oh, and he reached over, and then he hit the Fender Twin on on top, <laughs> and it was like double Ted. Yeah. And I was like, it was really nice. Yeah. So I mean, me personally, you know, when we were done with that, I mean, talk about like the most mind blowing thing I've ever done in my life. Stranglehold. Stranglehold. We played Stranglehold with Ted Nugent for nine minutes. For nine minutes, and he played it. Lick for lick, like you were listening to the record. It was, it was, it was Ted. It was the record sound, his tone, and he he makes good points in the podcast about tone and being the person that actually played it. And and even when he was playing for us prior to our jamming, he was explaining how he gets his tone, yeah. where he picks, and he's got a rake a roundabout sweep, and certain things are happening, muffling with his hand. It and, was really amazing to yeah. to watch him do that. Yeah, and uh, I remember the night before he came over and he played my bass. Yeah, after dinner. Yeah, I thought it, he was going to break a string. I thought he was going to break a string. <laughs> and he goes, nobody nobody plays string a hole like I do. And I watched him play it on my on my shitty four-string bass. And he <laughs> crushed it, of course. Yeah. But he really had a super technique even on that. It was just really amazing. It was, I mean, it was just mind-blowing. 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 Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we finished playing that. And I, I'm like, I had to walk outside. You know, we, we all hugged and high-fived. I walked outside and I literally fell apart like like a little kid. Yeah. Like I, I couldn't even believe that yeah. what I had just done. I, I walked. I, I just got up and walked away. I didn't say anything. I know he went I in the talk. bathroom. I couldn't even talk. I went in the bathroom. I was like, Whoa. I, I called my mom actually. See, that's nice. And my mom answered the phone, and she said, "Hi, what's going on?" And I, I like legitimately couldn't talk. Mm-hmm. And she was like, "What's wrong?" And I go, "Nothing. We just played Stranglehold <laughs> with Ted Nugent." <laughs> I can't think of anything anybody else that that would have meant that. Sh- no, as far as. Ted is concerned. Yeah. He's the trifecta for me. Yeah. He's music. Yeah. And he's a legend within the music, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, he's hunting. Yeah. He's like, he's a genius with hunting. He knows, you know, what, exactly what to do. And we share political views. Same here. Which hey. is, he's the trifecta. <laughs> yeah. And it was just really nice to be with somebody and think nicely. Yeah. Know? Well, in, in, <laughs> for, for me, like for, you know, the, what was special about talking to my mom and my stepdad during that was <clears throat> they are the reason why I like Ted Nugent. Mm-hmm. And I, I was listening to Ted Nugent before I even knew who Ted Nugent was. And then, you know, as I got, you know, eight, 10 years old and his hunting videos came out on VHS, my stepdad always had him because he's, you know, an, an avid hunter. Mm-hmm. And my parents went to see him, you know, here in, in New Hampshire at the casino ballroom a bunch of times and all that. So I was a fan my whole life. So yeah. t- 
to be able to do the hunting thing with him, and then <laughs> we got to play stranglehold with him. I mean, so, I, there's nothing that will top that. <laughs> at conception, when you first called me about this, yeah. we we like little schoolboys were like, "Hey, wouldn't it be fun? Wouldn't it be cool if we could do this? Wouldn't it be cool if we could do that?" We had a wish list, and we were able to do every single one of those things. Every single one of them. Every single one of those things. Yeah. And I was, I couldn't, it couldn't have been a better trip for me. I'm still kind of blown away by it. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people, you know, have been asking me personally, like, did Ted hang out and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was after the initial starstruck moment when he first showed up yeah. at the house. Yeah, yeah. It was just being at. We were at hunting camp with Uncle Ted. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And he was just just a regular dude, and yeah. he was full of great information and great, great information. A lot of good jokes. Yeah, a lot of He's great a funny bass music stories about touring with people and you know other famous musicians that have come to his property over mm-hmm. the years and, and you know hearing stories about other hunters that have been there. <clears throat> the guides. I mean, for me, I feel like the guides were. It was just as awesome hanging out with just the guides yes. as it was when we were hanging out with Ted. Yep. Because they were also like a book of knowledge. Yep. They were and, great. And they were just like us. Like it was <laughs> yeah. just cool dudes, funny, ball busters. Yeah. And you and you, and you, you horrified poor Paul in your mankini on the last day. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I for, for, for those of my, <laughs> for those of my friends uh, that know about the mankini. <laughs> Um, I brought it. <laughs> why wouldn't you bring that to hunting camp? My, my cousin asked me in a text tonight. He goes, "Why? What? What made you bring that?" And I said, "It's fun." It's a- <laughs> oh, we get video of that. We probably won't share yeah, that. So, so we, we waited till the last day, and um, I woke up. Sean was up long before me, but the, one of the, the like the lead guide there, uh, Paul, was there. You know, to kind of you know see us out, and we had to go get our meat from Ted's house and all that. But. Um, Sean comes in and he goes, you should put the mankini on. And I'm like, definitely, who's here? And he said, just Paul. And I'm like, okay. So Sean, Sean set himself up in the garage with, you know, the video Paul, camera, with yeah. the video camera. And Paul was sitting watching on, on his phone. And I came out in the mankini. I'm like, good morning. And Sean's like, good morning. <laughs> and then I said something to Paul and he looked up and just he went, just oh. shook his head. And, <laughs> and he saw me with my phone. He looks after you walked in, he goes, do not send that to everybody. And I'm going, click, click, click. Too late. It's send. gone. Send. Toby, Jim, George. Yeah, everybody's like, glad I left. <laughs> oh, that was great. So, um, so, this, so the podcast is amazing. So we're going to start the podcast two seconds. Yep. Um, would you do it again? Um, absolutely. Yep. 150%. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm actually already in conversations with Jim. Um about, okay. about the next one. So, so. We'll, 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 we'll talk about that. Uh, the video of us performing is is on Facebook, but I think I'm going to put it on the Bamboozled uh, YouTube page. Yep, I'm going to do the same on mine. With too. maybe one or two other yep. things, maybe a couple of photos on the Bamboozled yep. website, I'm not sure. Yep. But uh, bamboozled.boston, and here is the podcast with Uncle Ted. Yeah, buddy, there's a lot of banter ahead of time, but uh, just be patient. Yep. Come and take it. This will be uh, this will be wonderful. Why don't you uh, introduce our, our, our first uh, guest here? <laughs> well, this is a, this is the third guy, Michael. Yeah, I'm sorry, I have to tell you, Delouder. Louder. Okay, and we're going to talk to you a little bit. But uh, we had a blast, right? Last couple we had of a days, great, great last couple of days. I mean, this has like been uh, Nirvana on steroids. Right? I mean, it's been, I mean, just the the, the, the greatest time of uh, of our lives. I think. Sure. Uh, Absolutely. You know, getting in the getting into the deer woods with Ted Nugent, and then the the whole total exposure, uh, sharing you know deer camp with Ted, and then and, and sharing you, sharing deer camp with you guys has just been absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. All right, let's um let's hit the intro. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, broadcasting from an undisclosed location somewhere in the greater Boston area. Welcome to Bamboozle.Boston, the only New England podcast show that openly engages in death-defying on-air alcohol consumption, live music, and special guest appearances. Join us as we learn the finer things about alcohol, its origins, proper way to consume, and as the saying goes, whiskey, it's liquid sunshine. Here to inform, to inspire, and to imbibe are your hosts, Mike Grady and Sean. Cochran. 
All right, here we are. Bamboozled up, Austin. Oh, look who's here. Yes, sir. Uncle Ted has arrived. Logic and common sense crowbar with me. Somebody's head is going to get smacked tonight. (laughs) But you feel the love, right? Are we doing this? It's already happening. It's already on. Here's Uncle Ted. He's got a spiritual boner. It's going to be okay. I have a permit for it. Look, I got the permit right here. Ah, yes. Uh, So all I want to ask you guys, yes, sir, is it is it conceivable that more fun is available to mankind than what we unleash? at the Nugent Spirit Zone. I mean, who do I think I am? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> if I wasn't me, I'd book a hunt with this guy. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to think of what, what in my life was close to this. I mean, there are some very special moments. Your first piece ass. But, but, all right, we'll, give, we'll go That's there. That's close. close. But only close. But only close. <laughs> this was by far my absolute favorite. Well, I appreciate thing. that because we all, I think the reason you were drawn to do this is because you have the spirit. You have an independent attitude and a willpower to rise above the status quo. And I happen to be the star, the czar of rising above the status quo. In fact, I have to scrape status quo skull tissues off the cleats of my work boots on an hourly basis <laughs> because I find myself constantly stomping status quo skulls. Yes. And it, it's about not just saying freedom and wanting freedom and living freedom it's demanding Hmm. freedom so i'm sure yes it's great deer hunting you guys are the luckiest deer hunters that have ever walked the earth seriously um (laughs) but there's so much more to it than that yeah yeah and we make sure paul toby jim you missed out on my son toby typically he's the wrangler of this whole thing but he his wife after last weekend's full-time wrangling his wife i think went do I get a weekend? Okay. Um, so Toby wasn't here this weekend because he's a man of priorities and, and family comes first. Uh, but Jim and Paul and George. Great guys. Nicest, great guy, nicest guys on the planet. They're, yeah. they're all American, roused about, shit kickers, work ethic, positive attitude, super capable. Their job description is, yes, yes, I can do that. Oh, and they uh, were. <laughs> and they were. They were, they were super accommodating. And, uh, yeah. and George... When he's in the kitchen, I, I don't know. We just he's had good. Most, have you asked him to marry you yet? Uh, well, I'm working Some on Some of the hunters that proposed, we'd have to beat the shit out of them. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have them. You can't have them. Yeah, so. But the bottom line is, I didn't invent fun, but I perfected it by the age of four. So, I, I, Dirty Harry, the greatest philosopher of all, all times. A good man has to know his limitations. Mm-hmm. So you fight for freedom. But then you live the freedom. Yeah. And you fight for individual rights, and then you exercise those individual rights. So I've fought for over 50 years for those. So I know how to fight the evil and then completely dismiss the evil and just have fun. Yeah. And that's what we offer here. Yeah. And we, we had fun. We had fun today. I'm thinking, special. What, what kind of deer camp is this? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> well, for, for me, for all of us... <clears throat> The musical side, okay, is very, very special because you are who you are and such an inspiration to me, to many of the people I know, of course. Um, you get a nice, you get a you know decent track record with uh, some some amazing music, of course. Uh, I I love my music more than you'll ever be able oh, to love it. God. And so That's when obvious. we got together in the man cave cuckoo's nest barn, mm-hmm. the arsenal, the ammo dump headquarters yes. of Uncle yeah. Ted's ballistic yeah. spirit. Um, <laughs> You could tell I was like a kid with his first amp. Mm-hmm. It was what a. If there's anything important in life, mm-hmm. it's to return to the uninhibited, instinctual, primal. Let it rip, mm-hmm. and you saw the minute I grabbed the Birdland. That was. But that's what happened. Massive. Even last night with your acoustic yeah. bass, I, mean, I get into this zone. I yeah. become this. I possessed. <laughs> it's well, out of body. It really is. Of, I got a bass lesson on how well, to play well, stranglehold yes. correctly. Pump. Something I still can't do. Pump. But. Watching watching your slide work on the guitar with just your fingers today was for me like so mind. It's almost it's almost like you watch it, and, and believe me, I I know that because I'm fascinated, mm. um, and I've been doing it forever. And it was my fascination fascination with music mm-hmm. as inspired by Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley and Little Richard and James Brown and Wilson Pickett and the Motown Funk Brothers and Lonnie Mack and Dwayne Eddy and all the original electric guitar pioneers. That a long time ago, the 
again, that primal uninhibitedness when I pick up the guitar. First, you dial in a great tone so it's responsive. Yeah. And when it's responsive, all of a sudden, chords have a different personality based on where you, which finger you use. And, and being a, a, a lover of slide guitar blues, yes. there's no reason you can... You don't need a steel or a slide to do that. You can do that with your finger. And so Great White Buffalo was the real manifestation the, after the opening lick. Mm. That slide guitar flurry. It's unbelievable. It's almost like you're watching it and going, Mm -hmm. I hear it and I see it. But where is it? I don't don't understand it. (laughs) (laughs) Neither do I. (laughs) It's like when you see that girl with the short skirt, you don't need to understand why you can't take your eyes off her. Just don't take your eyes off. (laughs) Just go with it. So uh, I mentioned earlier that the guitar tone that you had or have is... The heaviest guitar. Now, I've worked with a lot of different guys and different amplifiers. Heavy, but rich and fat and and, and guitarist. Not just, yeah. not just heavy metal heavy, but heavy in tonation. I yes. mean, and... Fat. It's like a massive... And it's just a tiny yeah. little... One... 12-inch speaker, 30-watt custom from 1960s. <laughs> that, again, because of my indefatigable pursuit of the holy sound uh-huh. which i'll be damned but i found it um, but i'm still pursuing <laughs> to in, intensify and upgrade that i never like my archery i know i can get the next three arrows even tighter mm-hmm. so i that's archery well guitar playing out of that little amp i you saw that you probably didn't see the other room but i had 100 amps so I'm constantly testing this amp in augmentation with that amp and this setup, and I don't use pedals to get it because I want the Birdland spruce yes. to speak. And it does. And, and it does. <laughs> it sounds like a guitar just big and rich. So when you say heavy, um, it, but that includes a richness. Yes. And an intonation like you thought there was keyboards on winter, spring, summer, fall. You guys thought it was bagpipes. I thought it was And bagpipes. I didn't have any different settings. It, oh, look at it. There it goes. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> oh, I love it. Love uh, it, it it's, it's how you attack it. Mm-hmm. And the, the, where you were hitting the pick. Yes, there are, there's a different tone no matter where you might hit it. Yeah, coming back to the bridge. Yes, and when, and when you when you pursue it with such instinct. Intensity that I do, <laughs> especially now I'm 73. I've been doing it since I was eight. Eventually, when you just keep going and keep going, you're gonna find well, well, this has a different sound, and a little less of this is one way, and then a little bit more muff is so. It's it's about it's you got to be obsessed with musical pursuit and adventure Correct. and i am yeah thank thank you lord um so all those different intonations the same app same setup when when van halen opened up their first north american tour for, they opened up for me in 77 was it late 77 78 both both years they only did a couple dozen shows but there's eddie with this ungodly tone very very intense electric yeah brilliant vocalizations and in a single song, he'd have a bunch of different sounds, but he never changed any dials. Correct. Um, and I had been doing that for years before he was born, but when I was watching him and listening to him do his sound check, um, I was fascinated because here's this guitar that he obviously built in the basement, and here's this uh, this rheostat shaped like a bomb on top of a Marshall, <laughs> and I'm going, this guy's like a mad scientist. <laughs> but when I picked up his guitar and played my licks, Sounded just like me. Yeah. And when he he tried to play the Birdland, but he was yeah. feeding back, so I turned it down to where he could at least make it make music without the overwhelming yeah. feedback, because you have to learn how to where to stand to control those notes. He sounded like Eddie Van Halen. That's great. And I didn't change any settings. He didn't change any settings. So it's a guy that's obsessed. It spends eternal hours in his basement discovering what can be done with what looks like a limited landscape and it's not limited at all mm, no it's 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 so gratifying and you, you're 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 whammy bar i noticed you would be on the bridge and you yeah. push the string down 
that's how I've always done that before there really was. I mean, the Strats had whammy bars back then, and the Ventures mm-hmm. and the original electric guitar players did that. And Lonnie Mack with his Flying V, he had a whammy bar. Mm. Um, and I had a Birdland once with a... Uh, the name evades me. The the, the the original one. What's the name of it? Uh, you know uh, what I mean. It's I right. Exactly t- what you mean. It's not, I've only said the, the <clears throat> word 10 million times in right. my life. Um, but... I found that the expanded bridge on the Birdland, those are movable. And I've used those pushes and pulls yeah. forever. And, you can, you can, and again, again, I got this terrain. I got this swamp here. I never went, I never went to that clump. I'll go to yeah. that clump. I, well, I, I never went from that clump to that clump. So I, it, it's, it's an eternal, limitless Adventure. It keeps giving you gifts. It really Usable does. It means yeah. I go to bed so smiling. Yeah. Um, it's sure. I just love it now. I'm an old man, but I love it now more than I ever have. Can we, can we talk about the new record? Yes, bit? Detroit Muscle. Oh, it's so not just badass. about horsepower. It's about musical horsepower. Yeah. So badass. It's so the, badass. the whole record. Jason Heartless on drums. Oh, Detroit crushes, Monster. Crushes. Greg Smith on bass guitar. One of the greatest bass playing virtuosos that ever walked the so earth. Good. Killer vocalist. Yep. Killer musical creator. Mm-hmm. And the two of them come from the rhythm and blues school of James Brown tightness. Motown funk brother. Um, Bonham and uh, um, John, J- Paul, John, John, Paul, John Paul Jones, Jones. Uh, Tim Bogart and Carmen Apice mm. um, uh, 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 the Stones rhythm section the original it, all, all the best songs have yeah. a locked in bass and drums mm. and so they come from that school yeah. all, all, the, all the bands have a tight rhythm section except the California stuff and I, have, I hope they're happy but the Quicksilver Messenger Service and the Grateful Dead and the Big Brother and the Holding Company it was so Caucasian. Interesting. It, and okay. um, yeah. I just didn't enjoy any of that music um, because it didn't have, didn't have that sass. Yep. Didn't have the grind. It didn't make you want to dance. Sure. Uh, so I, I prefer those who are glaringly inspired by black musical authority. Mm-hmm. And we all know that lineage. Mm-hmm. And that still drives all the best band. You love ZZ Top? Black Influence, Van Halen, Black Influence, Uh, Cheap Trick, Journey, anything Sammy Hager's ever done, the Stones, the Beatles, the Who, the Kings, they all worship Chuck Berry, Bo Diddley, Little Richard, Jerry Lee Lewis. So, and you tell Jerry Lee Lewis he's not black. Um, And good luck with that. Uh, so, So that black authority still permeates all the best music in the world. It sure does, yeah. yeah, yeah. Amazing, amazing stuff. Yeah. Um, the, my favorite track, on, well, there's, there, I can't say this one favorite, but the one, help me with the title. Feedback Grind yeah. Fire. <laughs> Tell me what you want. Tell me what you need. Give me all your wild dreams. Give me some feedback Grind Fire. Tell me what all of this means. So good. So good. Sweat. Man, it was just... Did a- it feel good? Did it feel right? Did I, did I set your heart, your soul on fire? Um, did, you, did you fall in love? Did you live your dreams? Give me some feedback. Grind fire! <laughs> what so a great, what a great. garage band eruption of music. And that vocal take, you said you did it in one shot. I came in with my coffee. The guys were in the studio setting up all the gear. Um, it was the, one of the last vocals I did. And I, I was sleeping good, and uh, I'm so enthusiastic about the music. You may have noticed this, yeah. <laughs> um, that they had never heard a rough vocal or anything. They never heard the song. We just played the track, mm-hmm. uh, J- Greg and Jason and I. And so I said, just start or give me a good test. Make sure you take this first one. You got it? You got it? You got it? Let me know when you got it. You got it? All right, play the song. Yeah. And I sang it. And at the end, they all went, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Because I mean, your forehead veins were bumping into the walls. Um, hey, don't, don't you say at the end of the song, all right, I'm going hunting. Yeah, I said, all right, um, how about that, guys? Have a nice day. I'm going fishing. Yeah, uh, fishing. Because you could tell that it was it just drained the room because mm. it was so yeah. intense. Mm. That was, it was wonderful. Heavy. And it's heavy and old school garage band, which is what punks thought they could do, and they never did. Because um, we play with authority. Sure. But it, but a, but a maniacal uninhibitedness. That's that, to me. That's the best music. Yeah, 
what Mick Jagger did at the end of last time. Last time, baby, a baby no more. A baby no no more. You got it. I want forehead veins popping. I want a crescendo at least twice per song. Yeah. Um, and so I've always been inspired. James Brown, Wilson Pickett. Yep. Sure. All those guys. There's always a crescendo, and there's always forehead veins popping yeah. because they're digging up. They're digging on the reserves. Mm. And I always dig on because <laughs> every song should climax. Yeah. That's why I can't stand country music. I mean, there's no climax. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Like it's my least it. favorite thing. It sounds to like something to. you hear on a Saturday morning cartoon show or something. Mm. Not all of it, but most of it. So, I'm sure <laughs> we can. Some- John Rich got some rock and roll. T- Toby Keith's band. Any any artist that plays Stranglehold every night, like Toby Keith does, you know that has a real band. His guitar player, Rich Eckert, he he plays Stranglehold with authority. Yeah. And Toby sings it because it's infectious and everybody loves it. Um. And Hank William Jr. plays Cat Scratch Fever every night. Kid Rock plays Cat Scratch Fever every night. But you got to have a crescendo. Yep. So there's a lot of country artists that are super gifted. Again, I played, I played Stranglehold and Cat Scratch Fever with uh, Big and Rich's band. How was that? Perfect. Oof. I mean, these guys wanted to play that kind of music so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I, bet they, I bet they rehearsed their asses yes, off. Yes, <laughs> they played it perfect. Because there's quite a lyricism to the extended guitar movement. Mm-hmm. And so, and what Cliff Davies, God rest his soul, what a genius. What Cliff Davies on drums and Rob Grange on bass, two just gifts to, to music. Just what a lucky guitar player I am. There's a lyricism to my guitar solos, and when I'm when I'm keeping holes and there's there's pockets and there's phrasing, mm-hmm. there's drum things and bass things that happen mm. during those phrasings. Filling that space. And these guys nailed it. So did our Godsmack. They nailed it at the uh, Marine yeah, Base. You mentioned so that. So guys that really love music mm-hmm. respect the song mm-hmm. and deliver the song because the song is sacred. I think mm-hmm. it is. It's not really not just stranglehold, but songs. A song means something. It's a mile. It's a sonic milepost in your life. So when you go see the artist play that song that meant a lot to you at that moment in your life, it better sound like the song. Yeah. yeah. A lot of That's guys think, "Oh well, I played it so many times. I think I'll change it." No. No. If you want to change something, do it elsewhere. But I want to hear the song. Right. Well, you know what I mean. Today was a lesson. Today we learned how to properly. Well. Well, I. Do. I I played I, I played it wrong uh, that that part at the end. Um, what, what yeah, there's a big G chord. Stop. And that's the drum talk. Yeah, that's the drum talk. They, that's the exact. That's drum what drum. makes records. Yeah, I speak I that. <laughs> yeah, I love that song. Yeah, and I played the today. I haven't played it. Well, I did some speakeasies, some Ted Nugent greasy speakeasies in Waco because I couldn't stand any longer. And John Kutz on drums and Johnny Big on bass, two monsters again. We did uh, some Stones and Beatles and James Brown and all my classics, and we played Stranglehold. I think I did four of those speakeasies. And that last one was um, July. I think we did one in July. Mm, no kidding. Uh-huh. So that I haven't played Stranglehold, and there's an identity to that lead section yeah you better play it right or you're yeah you're you're bad you're a bad man (laughs) Um, so uh yeah but i i remember it because it it, it's imprinted yes when it's on the radio you could probably sing the guitar solo i yeah you can absolutely as legendary as it gets it's like a like an angry blues singer yeah Sure. He had to tell him, shaker, 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 shaker. Yeah, yeah. Legend of melody here. And that was on the fly, you said. Yeah. That, oh, that was take one. I said, man. I was set up at the Birdland on a Fender Twin through a dual showman bottom. Mm-hmm. And Cliff and Rob, we'd rehearsed the song. We'd, I'd been playing it live for years in various formations. And I said, I'll play the song and the rhythm track. And I'll mouth the vocal out as a guide for Derek, because he sings it so phenomenally. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to play a lead on this rhythm track, so you know where the bolero comes and where 
the sways are because there's buildups. There's yes. buildups and then back down to downtime. And I so I'll play a bunch of stuff and then I'll come back and I'll overdub an actual lead. Well, all right, here we go. And I started it and we did it. And seven minutes later, it was like, what the hell did I just play? Because I didn't have a very distorted reactionary guitar tone, which even the least reactionary guitar tone out of Birdland is still a stone cold son of a bitch. But I was going to go out with a little bit more edge and feedback and mm -hmm. play the actual solo. But all those notes that I played, I'd never played any of those things before. I had to go back in and learn it. It's it's ma it's I don't it's, know how you do it. it. Well, it's again it's out of body. You're you're owned by the musical adventure, especially when you got a Cliff Davies and a Rob Grange yeah. and a Derek St. Holmes yeah. band. Those mm -hmm. guys are legends. So gifted and there's and their performances are so soulful. And like the damn Yankees and all my bands, Jason and Greg, Marco Mendoza, Tommy Clafettos, Tommy Aldridge, and Michael Lutz. I mean, I could name all my rhythm sections, and I'm the luckiest guitar player that ever lived. Definitely. That had the best that ever lived. Amazing. 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 God loves me yeah. so much. Inspirational. For guys like me and guys like you. As a rhythm section. As a rhythm especially. section. Yeah. It's, 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 something it's mind blowing, honestly. It's I mean, mind blowing. To look up but, but, to. You can imagine a guy that loves music like you guys, because I do, maybe even more, to be in that zone mm. with those guys. Yes. Yeah. Ex uh, unleashing my musical vision mm -hmm. and those guys executing it. Executing yep. it with such. Authority, yeah, and it, so it's it, they execute it like it's their baby, and it is their baby. Like yeah. if you play, I mean, we did uh, um, some Beatles songs on a couple of the albums, and on the old days we played a, a, a Who song with the Amboy Dukes. So if you're dead, if you want to play a song, if you love it that much, you get you better do it perfect yeah. with with genuine passion, and all of our favorite music has those ingredients all the music that moves you maybe they wouldn't have articulated like i just did but they they live that yeah i know all those bands and that's what they do they're mm. very dedicated <clears throat> that's what makes it i don't think the world really has acknowledged adequately since i it has since i started my spirit campfires the work ethic of musicians mm -hmm. you know well, anybody can just go on tour and fly and get a hotel really try to keep up with me for a couple weeks yeah. <laughs> good luck I can imagine and you go to the that. radio station you go to the record place you go to the yeah. promotions you do events you do charity work and you get on stage rock your balls into a foaming puddle of snot and hair and you try to go to bed <laughs> um, a, a, a friend of mine the, a friend of mine commented <clears throat> on this and said that he would give his left arm to have the energy that you have at, at your age and yeah it, well it, he it, wouldn't it, want to do that because <laughs> you need both of those arms but I appreciate the gesture yeah. um, but I and I'm tired <laughs> these aren't just regular bags under my eyes those are ammo bags um, so so I, I'm, I'm inspired when you guys want to talk about music I'm inspired because oh. I want to talk about music that's, yeah, that's I mean, my favorite that's, yeah. that's our life you know so I think the energy is a, is a direct result of the passion mm -hmm. you know when I leave here I'll take a deep breath and I yeah, back it down to a couple of cylinders right now I'm on all 16 all 16 okay <laughs> well Let's talk about another passion. Mm -hmm. Talk about hunting. Yes. Can we talk about sunrise. Uh, well, the, it's just... the primal scream. I've always hunted and I've always done interviews. They go, where do you get all their energy? In the early days, the, the hippie radio people were wanting me to recommend the drug I'm on. Um, until I told him that because I just went bow hunting with my dad last weekend and mm -hmm. I was cleansed with the spirit. There's a great spirit, Native American yep. spirit. And of course they went, huh? What are you... What you, went, you killed deer and it gives you energy? I go, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sure. Yes. And they just didn't understand it. They're not going to get it. They're not going to get it until they do it. And so, but, but maybe the guys interviewing me didn't get it, mm -hmm. but the people listening did. Yeah. Because they could tell I was sincere, mm -hmm. that maybe they didn't know anything about wildlife management, but, but they grasped the history of killing your own food mm -hmm. and respecting it to kill it cleanly. Mm -hmm. And it, they grasped that. So I was bombarded with, and there was no, obviously, communication in global media or nothing. Just backstage at Amboy Duke shows, 
these people would come up to me and go, God, I heard you talking about hunting with a bow and arrow. How do I get into that? Yeah. And eventually I was so bombarded, I would give a guy advice, you know, a lightweight bow that's graceful, that you can get natural hand-eye coordination, find that samurai path of life. That's the origins of Zen. That's the origins of samurai. Mm -hmm. And it's very contagious listening to me say that, especially if you're just a nutcase rock and roll guy, which we all are (laughs) when it's appropriate. Um, But the, the rock and roll fans were were being brainwashed into thinking that getting high and poisoning themselves, drugs and alcohol, was hip. Um, but then they'd hear me emphasizing that you can't do what I do unless you're, you're clean and sober. Yeah. You just can't do it. Mm-hmm. You'll hurt yourself. Um, and so that excitement is very contagious. And so instead of just having to talk with this guy and having to talk with that guy, I started writing articles in numerous sporting magazines. I started doing major media interviews, always expressing the importance of conservation, mm-hmm. respectful use of God's renewable resources, why we have Thanksgiving in November, because you're wrapping up the season of harvest. It's a sacred time of year mm-hmm. to balance the herds, to make room for next year's fawns and calves and, and cubs. Because the animals are filling the habitat. There's no room for anything else. That's why we have to reduce those numbers to make room for next year's production. And people went, oh, I never thought of it that way. Sure. Well, wasn't that convenient? Right. Um, you just watched Bambi and thought that was a wildlife lesson. Um, so, so I kind of rearranged their psyches with the passion, the education, and the simple pragmatic science of why we hunt. It's perfect. Mm. Hunting is perfect. It is perfect. Not hunting is cruel. Mm. And boring. <laughs> it, and, and so boring. Um, because if you don't balance the herd, disease will come in, habitat will be destroyed, and then they'll have a massive die-off. So not hunting is cruel. It is cruel. Hunting is perfect. So when I expressed it like that, it's so easy to understand that people wanted to get going into it. So... I was also contacted by a lot of families with terminally ill family members. The first one was a guy named Jason in 1968. He was dying of cancer. He was 18. And he heard my interviews, and he wanted to go hunting before he died. So I took him hunting. And I realized that what I, what I do is the missing link for modern man. The concrete jungle warfare is fun for rock and roll and industrial productivity but you better be able to escape to the spirit world. And when a, di- a guy's dying, he knows that. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Even little boys and girls. So little boys and girls' families would contact me, and little Macon Lynn, six years old, going to be dead in a year, wants to go hunt with Uncle Ted before he dies. Well, I'm not going to say no. Right. So every time that incredible honor is handed to me, mm-hmm. I would do it. And numerous times... There was no season open. So we'd go fishing or we'd do target practice or something. So I high-fenced my original 300-acre farm Mm -hmm. and brought in pigs, wild boar, and wild sows. A lot of people go, yeah, the Russian boar. No, a Russian boar is a male pig that lives in Russia. Um, (laughs) (laughs) These are just... Pigs, (laughs) Pigs, <laughs> but they're European strain. They got the hair and they got the tusks, and yeah. they're they're pissed off. I like my pork pissed off. I don't know about you. Right. And so now I don't have to wait for a season to open. Now when I have a special request of a terminally ill person, and mm. it, they come at every age, um, I go, yeah, we can take them hunting. We got a wild game preserve, and so we fenced it in, and that also facilitates um, ultimate deer management because you want deer you want fawns you want yearlings you want two-year-olds you want three-year-olds you want four-year-olds you want five-year-olds typically in most states in michigan 96 percent of the buck harvest is a year and a half old Hmm. now that's fine because we're reducing car collisions and agriculture destruction and insurance orgies um and and managing the habitat but as exciting as any deer kill is it's perfect but there's a there's a history of the stag. Mm. That's mm. why they had hieroglyphics on the cave walls because if the leader of the tribe 
could kill the mighty stag, he would be the best protector of the tribe and he would be the best provider of the tribe. So they were pictures of the big stags that they got. And the big stag is the most difficult animal to kill because he's older and he's smarter. Mm-hmm. And I go, well, you're a trophy hunter. No, my meat is my trophy. But if we can let the age strata be balanced and let some get big... <laughs> That you guys know all too well. Oh, yeah. um, they can grow older and they can become that mystical stag. Sure. That's really what trophy hunting is. Trophy hunting is perfect. Nobody cuts the heads off and put it on the wall and throws away the meat. Mm-hmm. Just doesn't happen. The hunters pass laws forbidding that. Not only that, I've never met anybody that stupid who would do that. I'm sure there are some dirt bags out there because they're rapists, murderers, and carjackers. So there are dirt bags amongst us. But in the hunting world, we made sure that those kind of unethical crimes were crimes. Yeah. So, so now in Sunrise Acres, our bucks get to grow old because the, typically, if a guy's got a weekend of hunting, this little yearling buck goes by, bam, he's dead. And that's fine. I, I support that 100%. But if you can get neighbors, like on this property, all our neighbors have agreed. We just don't shoot these beautiful two-year-olds or three-year-olds. We're going to let them grow. That's why we shoot some big-ass stags every year. Because you have to everybody, if you don't have a high fence so that the neighbors can't shoot them, um, and the neighbors can shoot whatever they want because outside the high fence, there's deer all over the damn place. Um, But we manage our herd so that we have the balance of each strata. Fawns, yearlings, two, threes, fours, fives, and six, and sevens, and eights. Mm -hmm. Year-olds. And that's the ultimate balance that back in the old days wolves and saber-toothed tigers would have managed <laughs> but since nobody wants a wolf or a saber-toothed tiger downtown baltimore um, we got rid of all those um well if you wouldn't have killed all the wolves i didn't if you were in manhattan to you concreted the whole damn place you killed him you dirt bag right it's true if you if you're if you rent a building you killed a wolf <laughs> <laughs> Denial is so embarrassing. <laughs> so yeah, so I got wild deer, wildlife heaven with every imaginable species flourishing. The healthiest fen in North America. That's a unique wetlands between a marsh and a swamp with a Mitchell Satter butterfly Christmas tree fern endangered species that are thriving on my property because I kill a lot of deer and trap a lot of beaver. Um, so that balances it. Mm-hmm. So these endangered flora and fauna are thriving on my. The botanists come to study mine. They go, "What do you do to keep this so healthy? Kill a lot of deer." <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and there's no. There are very few uh, car deer collisions around my property. We're already eating those deer. <laughs> yes. We had some delicious, delicious backstraps yeah, tonight backstrap too. Baby. Oh my god, so good. So, so yeah, it's it's all. I'm I'm merely the humble servant. Mm-hmm. Of God's miracle. Mm-hmm. I hunt because it's my job. It's my duty. It's my conservation responsibility. And all the games, squirrels and turkeys and pheasants and yep. grouse and woodcock and rabbits. and you, you got to kill a bunch of them to make room for it because they're going to have babies next year. Mm-hmm. And the habitat is already locked. It's sort of loaded. And so you got to reduce the population to make room. It's, it's so simple. It it's is like, very simple. I, it, the, the fact that the animal rights lie exists is a manifestation of a cultural deprivation, the likes of which has put this goofball in the White House and all these <laughs> regulations where we now are energy dependent. Right. And if you're an entrepreneur, if you're an entrepreneur, you get punished. But if you're a bloodsucker, you get a reward. <laughs> And if you burn down a city, the Democrats will bail you out. All that is relative to the fact that the concept of the animal rights scam mm-hmm. hasn't been charged with a crime yet. Because it's a crime. It is a crime. It is. They scam stupid people. And if you, if you give money to animal rights people and you're offended when I call you stupid, then change. Yeah. Yes. Then stop being stupid because they're not saving animals with your money. They're flying around private making billions of dollars. They have the same squat. And they're not experts. And they're they're, they're dirtbags. They're yeah. scam artists. Well, like, like you were you were you were talking to us last night about how when they plow a field, the amount of animals that are killed during Oh yes, well, if field, if you want to kill the most animals possible, go vegan. Yeah. <laughs> It's because true, really because the, the, the tractor, the, the plow and the disc decapitates and dismembers every living thing in that giant field for your bean growth. Mm-hmm. 
That's why the, I said last night, and I've said it on Joe Rogan, and I've said it before, that's why seagulls and crows follow the tractors, because there's every shrew and, and, and vole and chipmunk and ground squirrel and gopher and songbird and, and quail and pheasant and, and, and turtle and mice and, and every animal that was in that field. That plowing disc just decapitated and dismembered them. Yeah. So the crows and the birds come and eat these <laughs> flopping body parts. So, so far you've killed 80 gazillion animals for your salad and we ain't even started yet. Because <laughs> then they're going to plant that field and actually a bunch of that blood and guts from all those dead creatures, they actually fertilize the ground a little bit. And then they plant the field, and then once it starts coming up, they cultivate it. You know what cultivate means? It means they, they wage chemical war on the ground. Mm -hmm. If any animal dared to slither back into your tofu field, Monsanto bombers come in and mm. burn and insecticide and pesticide, kill everything so you can have a vegan salad. How <laughs> <laughs> stupid. <laughs> How do you not know this? <laughs> it's unbelievable. Insanity. Well, I don't kill anything. I just uh, order my stuff. The guy you ordered it from killed everything. <laughs> it means you're good. It's like going to the judge. Well, your honor, I didn't kill the, this guy. I had him do it. Well, then you're guilty. Right. <laughs> you can't hire a murderer and claim you're not part of the murder. <laughs> I would hire Mike Tyson just to punch these people right yeah. in the bridge of the nose for being so stupid. So stupid. It's so embarrassing that the depth of ignorance that is personified by the concept of animal rights. Mm. It's just it's just so toxic. Well, it, it, it's crazy too because I mean, obviously being here at your ranch and staying at the bunkhouse and all that. I mean, you have dogs. Yeah, I love my dogs. And you love your dogs. I love my deer. And you love I love I love the turkeys, I love the squirrels, I love them all. Right, but, but they, they have to be balanced and some of them are food. Well, it, and it, if but, I had a Vietnam friend, I'd have to watch my dogs closely. But the animal activists are constantly up your ass about everything, you know what I mean? Which yeah, is but it's hysterical. They, it, 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 yeah. it, it brings me great joy. I know. <laughs> because if you're if you're upsetting horrible people, you're literally doing God's work. You're doing yeah. something good. Yep. Your Marxists hate me. Yeah. Rapists hate me mm -hmm. because I won't defund the police. Because you know who wants to defund the police, don't you? Rapists. Yep. <laughs> sure. I'm, I'm literally on the, on the hand of God. <laughs> I can hardly stand. I can hardly get in most rooms just from my my halo is so huge. <laughs> what about the the quality of meat? Like like. Well, yeah. There's nothing even compared. Hunted, really, like woods bound. Uh, you know, venison. It's yes, it's a, pure. Welcome to the organic party, yeah. planet Earth. Welcome to field to table perfection. Whoa, we're field to table. <laughs> Hello, yeah. like I've been all my life. Yeah. Used to attack me for it. You, Mike, punch that guy. Right. <laughs> Not you, Mike. Mike Tyson. Yeah, the, the Actually, Mike. since you're here, you the other Mike. I'll do it. Yeah, yeah Mike will do it. This Mike will do it. But you know, those, those, those kinds of arguments, they're just so funny. Mm -hmm. They're just funny. Yeah, and to echo a point you made, the fact of the matter is, is that uh, game proper good game management is is one of the one of the good management tools <laughs> is by good uh, hunting. Yeah. Well, and and what I've what I've really changed people's brain waves with is where do you think quality air, soil, and water comes from? Mm. Not downtown. Right. Wildlife habitat exactly. and the hunters and the fishermen and the trappers of this country have given renewable value to those wildlife resources that need mm. air, soil, and water cleansing habitat. Yep. Uh -huh. Ducks Unlimited, Delta Waterfowl, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Pheasants Forever's White Tails Unlimited, the Trout Society, the Grouse Society, Quail Unlimited. Every every species has a charity, mm -hmm. and they make sure that they safeguard these vast acres of natural soil, air, and water cleansing habitat so we can shoot a few birds every year. And again, we only shoot the surplus. Mm. We never hurt the nucleus population exactly. because they will reproduce and they will fill that habitat again next yeah. year. It, it's, and it, here's the real tragedy here in the, the clusterfuck of 21. What I've said all my life, just in this last few minutes on your podcast, none of these sentences have ever been uttered in a school in America. Hmm, never. Not a word. Which is bizarre. Not a word about being clean and sober. Hmm. 
Not a word about where does air, soil, and water quality come from, which is the quality foundation of all life. Not a word. They, instead, they teach that, oh, the cruel hunter, he's not a real man. He's, he, he's not a real man, so he has to take it out on a helpless animal. They actually teach that stuff. What, the, what is that? So what, was Cochise a bad guy? <laughs> How about Sitting Bull? Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. How about the Native Africans that are killing Kudu right now for dinner? Hmm. Oh, shit. How, how stupid. Stupid. It's not ignorant because they know it's not. They know it's not true. It's just stupid. It's almost like they do it, like they make the laws to almost like fuck with you. Oh, <laughs> they, they watch Nugent. Let's let's hurt his livelihood. <laughs> no, seriously though. I mean, because you you you're, you're the, the the voice of Hunter Nation. Yes. as a as a whole. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of that, guys, be sure you go to Hunter Nation. Oh yeah, HunterNation.org. Mm-hmm. It's not just about hunting, but hunters. Licensed hunting families are the core of the traditional American values that mm-hmm. get, create industry and entrepreneur spirit and productivity. The hunters of this country are about God, family, country, constitution, bill of rights, work ethic, law and order. Mm. Without those ingredients, you got Venezuela. Yeah. And it's what the Democrats are busting their ass to create here and the, the stupid Republicans. So we tapped into this unprecedented army, upwards of 30 million conservatives that heretofore were not registered to vote. We bought the, the stat. We bought the, 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 the information. The number of hunters that are not registered to vote is ghastly. But we changed that in 2016 because those guys, we can't support a candidate. But when you talk God, family, and country, you know who I'm not talking about. Um, and so the hunters are now registering to vote. We're making sure, but we're doing what has not been done forever. We're literally got, we got every name of every licensed hunter in America. We're mm-hmm. literally calling them. You're, I see here, we, we match the licensed hunter to the voter registration in his region. Uh, hey, Jimmy. You've been hunting for 20-some years, but we uh, see that you've never voted. Wow, I didn't know that. Oh, it's, neither did we. Wow. So, Jimmy, if you are squawking about gun rights and private property rights and, and taxation accountability and uh, constitutional accountability, you're, you're squawking and nobody's listening unless you vote. Mm. Right. Mm. So we, we, we turn that corner, HunterNation.org. It's not about hunting, though we do tackle insane, stupid, arbitrary, punitive, capricious game laws, like bow cases and whether you can relocate an apple to shoot a deer that everybody need, know you need to shoot. Um, so we're attacking states like Massachusetts, no Sunday hunting. Maine, no Sunday hunting. What man can tell you you can't hunt on, in October? And that's, that's crazy to me because it, that's, it's like Sunday... You know, you would think you have the, the weekend off. Yeah, well, that's 50, oh, ba- banning Sunday hunting in the United States is banning 50% of the season. Yeah. And crazy. nobody's going to buy all those licenses, all that ammo, and all that supplies if you can only hunt one day a week. Yeah. Well, and so, it's, and it's it was, so it's the day of the Lord. Yeah. Right? And how much closer you can get to God than 20 feet exactly. up in a tree <laughs> Thank you. That's what I was going to yeah. say. Yeah. Exactly. We're the in the lap of flight. God, or in my case, I'm in the cleavage of God because she is a beauty. Um, so yeah, HunterNation.org and your state hunting organization, the, the NRA, Gun Owners of America, your state Second Amendment organization, this is how you stand up for what you believe in. Mm-hmm. If you're not a member of those organizations that fight for your rights, the enemy thanks you. It's true. If you're not a member of the NRA, literally Nancy Pelosi considers you an ally. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And you are. Beto O'Rourke loves you if you're not a member of Gun Owners of America. Ugh. Mm. And I've just, just been, so, well, what can we do? Join the NRA, join Gun Owners of America, go to HunterNation.org and call your senator, your congressman, your governor, your mayor, and tell them that defunding the police is the dream of a rapist. Do you, are you supporting rapists? Because if you defund the police, you are. Yeah. It's, just tell them that. Yep. It's true. It really makes a difference. Yeah. Well, I, let them know. I, I mean, I, I guess we, you know, we don't want to keep you too long. You know? Yeah, I got dogs to hunt. You got dogs yeah, and stuff to do. Yeah, it's going to rain all day tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow morning, I can't hunt, so I'm going to sleep in with the mutts of Sunday morning. There you go. Yeah. And I'll, sure. what time you guys are leaving tomorrow? Well, we're thinking about leaving well, 10, 11. Yeah, 10 or 11. I might see you before I take, before I take off then. All, all right. right. That'd be awesome. But all I can say is, Michael, 
Justin, Sean. Yes, sir. It was a real pleasure. Yeah, you people you deserve me. You're in the shit kicker asset column of America. We'll do our best. <laughs> you're you're so exactly like all the hunters that we host. Hard working, caring, smart ass, music lovers, yeah. independent. Real America. We've never had a dirt bag ever come hunt with me. <laughs> they just, they just, you know, when I walk downtown Austin, Texas, it's like the hippies part like the Red Sea before Moses. So um, we just get great people to come on Sunrise Safari. So thank you for coming. I hope you had a good time, and I know you did. And who is this? This is my old band. One of my old band. Awesome. Yeah. All right, we'd like to thank everybody for tuning in to this podcast and in this uh, Facebook Live. Everything's wicked pissa. Thank you again, Ted. Yeah, thank God you guys. Bless you guys, man. Paul, Jim, Toby, George. Yeah. Just kill Thank you so much, Ted. And yeah. the great spirit yes. of the wild. That's right. That's right. <laughs> thank you. All right, dance like animals. This is breeding music, man. Do something. <laughs> That's awesome. No, it's got a little groove to it, right? Jim. But you know, when you do stuff like this, and I'm mostly out they do those. Get those. If you bore, the more chick, 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 chick you got, the more driving it is. Yeah. Same tempo, same everything. But get that. Instead of slide, slide, slide. Strangle the whole thing. Because it's that kind of grunt. <laughs> <laughs>